Hi, this is filmmaker and author Michael Morin. Whenever I'm not riding my bike around the Davis campus, I'm listening to KDVS College Radio right here. FM. Cool. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. Today's program, we are not going to feature any special guests because we've got some catching up to do. Uh, In the past weeks, we've come up with numerous stories we didn't quite have enough time for. We're going to deal with some of those, some breaking news, and just in general, catch up. So, without much further ado, let us uh, take a look at uh, this date in history, September 1st. In the year 1159, Pope Adrian IV, the only Englishman ever to attain the papacy, died in Agnelli, Italy. In 1914, on September 14th, the passenger pigeon, Ectopistes migratorius, officially became extinct as the last known survivor of the species dies at a Cincinnati zoo. It should be noted that James Audubon and other credible witnesses estimated that at one point, the passenger pigeon, which flocks of which darkened the skies for eight hours at a time migrating overhead, was probably the most numerous bird species on Earth. But habitat destruction and the treatment of the bird as if it were an unlimited resource led to its complete extinction 91 years ago today. On this date in 1939... Hostilities in World War II commenced with the German invasion of Poland. In America, there's been uh, much noting of late that uh, VJ Day was 60 years ago. World War II ended 60 years ago, but it began 66 years ago. It's just the United States didn't get involved until the attack on Pearl Harbor, which was really 27 months into the war. Our quote of the day comes from lawyer diplomat Edward John Phelps, who said, A man who makes no mistakes usually does not make anything. And let's do a quote slash joke from playwright Tom Stoppard, who noted that if you resolve to give up smoking, drinking, and loving, you don't actually live longer. It just seems longer. All right, our joke of the day comes to us courtesy an Eve mail from Karen. We'd like to thank her for this one. She noted that even if you didn't grow up Catholic, you'll probably appreciate the following. Three Catholic ladies were having coffee together discussing how important their children were to them. The first one said to her friends, I'm so proud of my son. He's a bishop. And whenever he walks into the room, people say, Your Grace. Second woman looked rather smug and said, Well... My son is a cardinal. And whenever he walks into a room, people say, Your Eminence. The third woman looked a bit sheepish at that moment, as the other two looked at her sort of expectantly. She stirred her coffee and said, Well, my son's a male stripper. 
Whenever he enters the room, women say, My God! Let us add at this moment a joke we got from Garrison Keillor from his annual joke show, which went as follows. Two Irish nuns were sitting in a ball game with three layabouts uh, sitting behind them, uh, harassing them. So as they're trying to watch the game, the first guy's going, Hey, you know what? I think I'm going to move me to Idaho. They only got about 15% Catholic there. Second guy says, Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about moving me to Montana. They only got about 10% Catholic there. Third guy goes, Yeah, I tell you what, boys. I'm going to move me to Utah. They don't got but about 5% Catholic there. At that point, one of the nuns looks back over her shoulder and says, Well, why don't your fellers go to hell? I don't think you'll find any Catholics there. Get in line in that processional. Step into that small confessional. There, the guy who's got religion will tell you if your sin's original. If it is, try playing it safer. Drink the wine and chew the wafer. Two, four, six, eight. Time to transubstantiate. So get down upon your knees. Fiddle with your rosaries. Bow your head with great respect and genuflect, genuflect, genuflect. Make a cross on your abdomen. When in Rome, do like a Roman. Ave Maria, gee, it's good to see you. Getting ecstatic and sort of dramatic and doing the bad again, right? And that, of course, was an excerpt courtesy of Mr. McMillan of the immortal Tom Lear with his classic Vatican rag. All right, we should go at this point to The Onion. Headline from The Onion, report. Our high schools may not adequately prepare dropouts for unemployment. Well, I I think that's a matter of some concern in this nation. Are our high schools adequately preparing dropouts for unemployment? We don't think so. But but mark but mark our words, we're going to look into this. And our good friend uh, Tom Burka, who we hope to have back on the show on next week's program, uh, sounded off on the Pat Robertson controversy, noting in his headlines that Robertson meant wine and dine, not assassinate, <laughs> according to Tom Burka. Christian broadcaster Pat Robertson explained today that remarks he made on television recently, which the media portrayed as a call for Hugo Chavez's assassination, had unfortunately been misunderstood and misreported, and thus he apologized. When I said our special forces should take him out, I meant to a nice dinner, said Robertson. We would note an article from the Cox News Service that protesters did rally outside the offices of the Christian Broadcasting Network, um, demanding that the FCC investigate whether CBN's license should be suspended or revoked, possibly, over evangelist Pat Robertson's call for the assassination of a head of state. We, of course, know that in this country, everyone is on uh, on razor's edge after the so-called wardrobe malfunction in the Super Bowl. And uh, stations such as this one are really very concerned about uh, the FCC and looking into irregularities and improprieties and doing things wrong. So I I do think it rather odd that we have not heard one peep out of the FCC over someone going on national television and calling directly for someone's assassination. Okay, FCC um, might want to devote some energy in that direction. And on a happier note, we would note that uh, Bob Costas, a broadcaster that's been certainly well-respected in the industry for his coverage of sports and, and just general um, general talk shows that he had in the past, really quite a good show, was asked to fill in for Larry King recently. 
they were planning to do an entire program on Natalie Holloway, the young woman missing in Aruba. When Costas found out that uh, this, uh, this substitute job on Larry King Live would involve this, he just said, told the network, thanks, but no thanks. We learned about this in the Sacramento Bee, where the editorial page uh, opined that maybe this episode will help CNN and Fox, whose growing ratings lead over CNN is obviously a source of worry to the latter. Larry King is on CNN. They should decide to draw a line and give a missing person report what it's due, but not milk. A sad story for everything it's worth more and more. Well, to that we say, hear, hear. And uh, speaking of Larry King, he was in town. He was here in Sacramento for a benefit last Saturday, but I, uh, I'm i sorry to say I didn't uh, i didn't see any coverage of that event. I thought about going, but um, it was a bit pricey, $300, although it was for a good cause. But um, we did not attend and therefore cannot report on uh, the appearance of Mr. King locally, but we'll see if we can uh, you know, find out uh, from someone who was there uh, how that went. But another story we may need to follow up on uh, comes from the Sacramento Bee Scene section, uh, Monday, August 29th, an article about one man who's embarking on a crusade against KRXQ, 98 Rock. Apparently, a listener named James Peake has decided that they've gone too far and has uh, basically done his best to get the FCC to fine the program and the station, which they have apparently done. The program uh, Ron, Arnie, and Don was fined $55,000 for segments that the agency found indecent. I'm going to look into this and see what we can report to you on it, but does it seem odd that no one's threatening Pat Robertson with a $55,000 fine for asking us to go in and assassinate someone? I mean, what's more indecent than that? And we have to ask the question, why isn't the Christian community outraged over this? Why aren't we hearing people, uh, you know, calling for Pat Robertson's head? Although I, mu- I must say, I think, uh, there, you know, we are hearing some rumblings among uh, elements of, uh, of the evangelical community, but I think not enough. All right, and also from the celebrities misbehaving file, we have the following. Victoria Beckham, better known as Posh Spice of the Spice Girls, has now published an autobiography. But uh, we got this from The Week magazine, who noted that apparently Posh Spice was not much of a reader. I haven't read a book in my life, she told the Spanish magazine Chic. I prefer to listen to music, although though I do love fashion magazines. The singer-turned-fashion designer says she has not yet read her own ghost-written book, Learning to Fly, or the two autobiographies of her husband, Soccer star David Beckham. You know, we've stated our policy on Radio Parallax before, and it's time we stated it again. Before you write a book, you should read one. All right, let's catch up on a little bit of the Good Week 4, Bad Week 4 section of the aforementioned Week magazine, one of our favorites on this show. This comes from the the issue before last, I think, uh, last week. They noted at that time it was a good week for cows after Russian authorities announced that bales of confiscated marijuana will be used to feed cattle over the winter. I don't know what the milk will be like after this, one Russian official said. Conversely, it was a bad week for progress, the magazine judged, after archaeologists announced that medieval peasants had better teeth than their modern descendants. 
Experts explained that food back then had to be chewed a lot more, which served to clean teeth and reduce decay. You know, we, we have our doubts as to whether chewing more really does constitute a conscientiously applied program of oral hygiene, but uh, hey, maybe. Now, the magazine judged it a good week for the following. We, we judged it a bad week, conversely, for The Art of Seduction, after British police announced they are searching for a man dressed only in a diaper who approaches women on the street and asks if they know of any nearby baby-changing stations. And lastly, it was a bad week for prognostication after a psychic in Scotland failed to predict that the sun's rays passing through his crystal ball, which he left in the windowsill, would then set fire to his laundry pile and scorch his entire apartment building. I actually have in, in front of me the uh, the more recent issue of the magazine with more good week and bad week for. But you know what? We'll just we'll just conserve that for next week's program. We never know if the magazine will show up. It seems to have a rather erratic distribution network. So uh, we'll hang on to some of these selections, which uh, we love so much, and hopefully you do too. All right, item that was uh, much in the news last week we should probably return to, uh, the issue of base closures across the country. We've noted on this program there seems to be a a predilection for the Bush administration to close military bases in blue states uh, and, and leave them open in red states. Well, interestingly, up in blue Connecticut... A submarine base was kept open, uh, even though uh, no one seemed to think it was a good idea to keep it there. A lot of these things basically are, let's face it, welfare for corporations, welfare for communities. Um, An article that we've been hanging on to from the Chronicle from from August noted that that Richard Pombo and Dianne Feinstein uh, were fighting over a, a battleship. Uh, apparently, the battleship Iowa is on active duty. I'm not sure if we're planning to uh, to uh, f- fight World War II over again. But uh, there's an issue here of you know who's going to get a contract, who's going to maintain it, and there's a lot of money involved in, in, in these items. And so politicians are fighting over contracts, who gets to serve as the host city for these. Actually, I stand corrected. It's not actually on active duty. It's on reserve duty, although I'm not sure what that means. There's an awful lot of money involved in uh, the military, and of course, such expenditures, including the $200 billion on Iraq, contribute to our $331 billion deficit for the current fiscal year, which is being touted as, uh, as moving in the right direction, being it's not as bad as it was last year. Kind of reminds me of an alcoholic uh, sort of uh, bitterly saying, well, I'm cutting down, (laughs) noting that he only drank two six-packs last night when he drank three the night before. But let's take a look at uh, what happened in Ellsworth Air Force Base in South Dakota. When uh, John Thune was trying to unseat Tom Daschle, uh, he ran on the proposition that being a Republican, it was much more likely that the Ellsworth Air Force Base, one of the largest... uh, parts of the South Dakota economy would remain open and you know if 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 he were in the Senate versus Daschle being that Daschle was on the the opposing party well of course um, now that Ellsworth has been kept open uh, freshman Republican uh, Senator uh, uh, 
Thune has come forward to say, well, it's not about me. It's not about politics. It's about keeping the country safe and militarily strong. We at Radio Parallax kind of doubt this because Ellsworth Air Force Base uh, serves as a base for half of the nation's B-1B bombers. Now, perhaps a lot of our listeners are too young to remember the controversy over the development of the B-1 bomber. The B-1 bomber represents the military-industrial complex's corporate welfare at its worst. Back in the late 70s and early 80s, this proposed bomber was found to be inferior to the B-52, the bomber it was going to replace, in every respect. It didn't fly as far, it didn't fly as long, it didn't carry as much as many bombs. It was an inferior plane in every way, and the Carter administration decided to not produce it. And although there wasn't a lot of argument about this, uh, someone took up the cause, I believe it was Bob Dornan, later called B-1 Bob Dornan, a representative from uh, Southern California, who jump-started the B-1, and it became part of our arsenal. However, no one has really ever explained what the B-1 is supposed to do. It was designed to fight, uh, basically, World War III with the Soviet Union, and that apparently has been canceled. Uh, actually, we're, we're quite, quite glad that World War III apparently has been canceled for the time being. But uh, we're, we're saddened by the fact that we still keep supporting this tremendous white elephant, the B-1 bomber, and we're going to keep stationing it up in South Dakota at Ellsworth Air Force Base as a political payoff for the voters putting John Thune in the Senate and getting rid of Tom Daschle. Pork barrel politics at its worst. And let us close our first segment today with a rather uh, startling um, headline I saw in yesterday's B, perhaps you did as well, noting that creationism finds favor in poll. Uh, apparently a poll conducted by the Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life and the Pew Research Center for the People and the Press asked questions about evolution of 2,000 people. They felt the margin of error in this polling is 2.5 percentage points. The poll found that 42% of respondents hold strict creationist views, agreeing that, quote, living things have existed in their present form since the beginning of time, unquote. By contrast, 48% said they believed that humans had evolved over time. But of those, 18% said that evolution was, quote, guided by a supreme being, unquote, while 26% said that evolution occurred through natural selection. But the part of this I find truly depressing uh, that in all, 64% said they were open to the idea of teaching creationism in addition to evolution, while 38% favored replacing evolution with creationism. I think it's high time we did some, some creation astronomy. The Bible is quite explicit and clear that the sun goes around the earth and that the earth is flat. Yet it seems that we've been teaching something else in our schools for some time, thanks to the secular humanists. I look forward to the creationists moving into the field of astronomy. Uh, such, uh, such statistics have caused note in the foreign press. Uh, the, the London Independent um, noted that U.S. presidents just don't seem to face facts in an editorial of theirs. They noted that all the scientific facts that the world's experts can muster haven't persuaded President Bush of the reality of global warming. His White House is much more comfortable with Christian literalism. Said the Independent, quote, 
Just look at his rhetoric on good and evil in dealing with terrorism. It would be comforting to believe that Bush is just pandering to his Christian conservative base, but unfortunately there's plenty of evidence that he truly holds those fundamentalist views. What's even scarier? He's not alone. One recent poll found that almost half of Americans believe God created humans fully formed less than 10,000 years ago. And this notion is spreading, apparently in Australia. Education Minister Brendan Nelson had said the week before that intelligent design had, quote, enough merit, unquote, to be taught along with Darwin in Australian schools. In Dublin, an editorial in the Irish Times noted that in 1922, U.S. President Woodrow Wilson said, quote, Like every other man of intelligence and education, I do believe in organic evolution. It surprises me that at this late date, such questions should be raised, unquote. The Times noted uh, that uh, Wilson, President Wilson, who had been the president of Princeton University, would no doubt be shocked to see that uh, that uh, learned men this many years later are still uh, grappling with this. And they noted that, yes, evolution is technically a theory, as that word is used in scientific writing, but it is also a fact. And i got to admit, this, this does scare me. Uh, Discover Magazine, uh, last month's Discover, noted that 23 years previously on their cover, they had Darwin on trial. Let's close with an item that I think we mentioned before, the recorded message, which was at the Creationist Museum of Earth History in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, said, They lived together without fear, for there was no death yet. According to the display they had in the museum, which showed Adam and Eve living side by side with a vegetarian Tyrannosaurus Rex. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax, and we got a lot more coming up, so stay tuned. You're listening to KDVS, 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. Well, you 